Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Welcome once again to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, and I'm sitting here in the luxurious corner booth. And we're going to be talking about angels today, Tom. Are we now? Yeah, we're talking about angels. we got our guardian angels sitting with us in the Catholic Cafe's luxurious corner booth. Excellent. Um, and if, if they're able to sit, we're going to talk about that. Yeah. We, we do know that we have to uh, dispel a lot of rumors. We have to talk about what angels are, and we have a lot of misconception out there, I think. I think you're right. So we need to talk about what the Catholic Church teaches about angels. We brought the expert to do that, didn't we? we? Did, oh, yeah. The head chef of the Catholic Cafe is back <laughs> once again. I, I tell you, I love it every time he shows up. I know. And you get to gain a few pounds I know. every time he shows I know. up. I know. But it's a blessed few pounds. It is. <laughs> Father Ben Bradshaw, welcome to the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic mm. Cafe. Thank you. So wonderful to be here. We're going to talk about angels today. Did you bring your guardian angel with you? I did, actually. Uh, thanks be to God, because I would get lost... I'd end up in Omaha. Well, Tom's guardian angel has like a football helmet and, and yeah. shoulder pads and yeah. elbow pads and knee pads and a Kevlar he vest. Needs he needs it. <laughs> I understand. You You put him in some, some, some rough situations. Rough, rough, rough pickles there. I mine too as well. So so let's talk a little bit about angels. What? Let's, let's start at the very beginning. What are angels? Mm. Angels are they're free spiritual non-corporeal beings that God created the very beginning of time he created what we call an ex nihilo which means out of nothing so he created the whole universe the whole cosmos and the whole physical world out of nothing you know when we create when we cook when we make something we make something out of something right, right. we're creating from creation exactly right god didn't do this he created something out of nothing right well, that's what makes him god it's <laughs> right cuz if we could do that then i think we'd have some competition but we're not uh, <laughs> right ca- even remotely cl- closely capable of doing that that's right now you men- mentioned they're non corporeal mm-hmm. for uh for tom and others who might be listening who might not know what that means <laughs> sorry <laughs> <laughs> it means that they do not have bodies they're not they're not physical in the sense that you would see uh, a, a, a body or you would feel right. or touch a body yeah it's 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 amazing when we run into someone we know we we see their face right we recognize their face we recognize we, we see oh you know father so-and-so or, or miss so-and-so how you doing we look at their face because their body uh we we see in their body there's a person here right, right. Or as john paul says in the theology of the body the body reveals the person right and but the the angels are pure spirit Right, they have an, an their, their eternal spirit. Right, they made a one-time free decision to accept or reject God. Okay, they have an they have an eternal spirit that's immortal. We do not have a spirit. What we have is an eternal soul. Right, but we also have a body, and our body is meant to be in our soul. So, our souls are immortal, and one day at the resurrection, our soul, our our bodies will be re- uh, resurrected. And reunited with our soul as well. Now, you mentioned that angels chose at one point in time to, to be good or evil, mm-hmm. right? They made that one-time decision. How do we know that's a one-time decision? Where does that teaching come from? Right. What we believe, this is the tradition of the church, okay, that they made a free a free, uh, one-time decision, okay, which means that all the angels in heaven, okay, they cannot now choose to go to hell. 
Okay, all the angels that are now in hell, what we call demons, they cannot now choose to be good, okay? In our lives, we have the opportunity of making thousands and thousands and thousands of decisions our whole life to either accept or reject God. I always love to use the example of the good thief, St. Dismas, right, who died next to Jesus. Here's a man who probably spent most of his life robbing, stealing, maybe even killing people. And yet at the very last minute of his life, the man has one minute left before he dies. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus essentially turns to him and in some ways hears his confession, right? And says, this day you will be with me in paradise. So here we have a man who became a saint. He's Saint Dismas, right? In one minute. So he has many opportunities to accept or reject God. So that's free will for both, but free will and a different understanding of free will in terms of we have continual free will as humans. Right. Where we can make those decisions up to the last minute. Right. Whereas angels weren't able to. And so when angels were faced with that decision at the very beginning of their creation, is that right. when they that's, were faced that, with that decision? That's right. That's right. And so they have, because angels are pure spirit, their knowledge of God is is so much far beyond us. Okay. And so they have, they, they, they did not need that ongoing opportunity to accept or reject God. St. Thomas Aquinas says that God created the spiritual world at the same time he created the the physical world as well and our, as catholics we say this every day is uh, every sunday in the nicene creed all that is seen and unseen right um in colossians right we hear saint saint paul talk about this as well all were created through him all were created for him is before all else that is everything continues in being through him right in saint paul all throughout the scriptures we hear about what we call the nine choirs of angels as well. St. Paul talks a lot about this. Well, and I imagine when they're making that choice between good and evil, it's like the, uh, the movie The Raiders of the Lost Ark, that third one, mm-hmm. where the, uh, the guardian of the cup of Christ, when, he's, when yeah. Indiana Jones has to choose which cup of Christ, he says, mm-hmm. choose wisely. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So let's talk about these angels. A lot of misconceptions out there. We hear the expression that, oh, Father Benny has such an angelic face. While I will not say that you don't have an angelic face, there might be that might be a little problematic in terms of uh, making people think that eventually that when humans die, they will go up to heaven and become little angels. We see uh, a lot of times in cartoons that when, when someone dies, then they get little angel wings and they float up into the air and we become angels. That's not true, is it? No, we don't become angels. We become saints. And this is why we also have our teaching on purgatory, right? And, um, and Jesus uses the parable, and he says, you will not be released from the prison until you have paid the last penny. And what, we, what he means by this is that we have to be purified before we, we are fully accepted into our spiritual bliss of heaven, right? And we, will, we become saints. Everybody in heaven right now is a saint. And so we have to be purified. Some of us saint, are of course, just means holy ones. Exactly yeah. right. And so we will not become angels; we become saints. But we will be with the angels as well. And so let's talk about what angels look like. <laughs> In Scripture, we see several references to angels, and some of them they look like ordinary men, and so they have the appearance of a human. But then other times we have some other descriptions of angels that might be a little bit different. Uh, that, that would cause us to think or rethink our perception of what an angel looks like. Do we know what angels look like? Right. We do hear repeatedly, constantly, constantly in Scripture, where they're talking about the angels that appeared to the shepherds. We're talking about Isaiah and the seraphim, right, that, and touched, touched his lips, 
whether we're talking about one of my very favorite, of course, this is not in the Protestant Bible, is the, um, is the book of Tobit, right? And, and um, the story of Tobiah and, and his wife Sarah, right? And the angel Raphael comes to them, right? It comes to, to, to him and this young, young man, and he says that when I was with you, and he guided him through this whole thing, Archangel Raphael, he says that when I was with you, I appeared to be human. You saw me eating, but I'm pure spirit. And he says this, and you can read this. And he says, I appeared to you in human form, right? But the, he said, and now I will go back from where I was sent to the Father, right? So we see some very key things there. And a pure spirit taking on a human form, right? Also making note of the fact that he was sent here on a mission. St. Thomas Aquinas says that the word angel refers less to the the spiritual being and more to the office or the mission that they have. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know what? That word angel from angelos, the Greek, is at the heart of evangelization, of being a messenger, mm-hmm. of, of, of the good news, of spreading a message mm-hmm. uh, uh, from God, which but, is, uh, I guess, defining them by naming them. Right. Now, there's another uh, interesting thing where we ha- we see so often these pictures of these chubby little cherubs with cute little wings and they're all got little grins on their faces and you're thinking these are wonderful wonderful little warm and cuddly little things and that may be true in certain instances but then so many times you'll hear the angel say something like fear not right you know why right. would they say fear well there's a great description from daniel of a vision he had of an angel and i just want to read that to give you another sense of what an angel might look like i lifted up my eyes and looked and behold a man clothed in linen whose loins were belted with gold of Uphaz. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the noise of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed." And I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words. And when I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in a deep sleep with my face to the ground. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, give heed to the words that I speak to you and stand upright. For now I have been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel. And that's uh, Daniel 10 verses 5 through 12. And that just gives us another image of, of angels. And it may explain why whenever an angel would appear somewhere, instantly, you know, Old and New Testament, people would drop to their knees. Right. Maybe they didn't mm-hmm. see this kind of a vision, but they had this sort of sense that they were of God, mm-hmm. that they were these great spirits. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting that often when angels, when they, when they appear to different people people fall down first thing this is what happened with with uh tobiah they fall down first thing it's very interesting when the archangel uh, appears to our blessed mother it is the archangel who gives honor to the blessed mother hail favored one hail favored one it is it's absolutely hmm. true when we think of angels because we're human beings and because we see tangible things we we tend to put wings on angels you know it's kind of like the story of clarence and it's a wonderful life you know every time I love it, that movie don't tell me that's not right <laughs> that's his favorite that's movie that's my favorite movie that's my favorite movie too how can you not love clarence i love him and and it is true we you know and especially in art you know that we put wings there 
But angels are, they're outside of time and space. Okay, that includes demons, that they are outside of time and space, that they are not bound by time and space like we are. And so we can have our angel in, many, in several places at once. Okay, they're, they're, they're not bound by time and space. And so what does an angel look like? Um, in, in Hebraic traditions, they have a, we traditionally speak of seven archangels in our, uh, in, in our Catholic tradition. We know of three, but in Hebraic traditions, they speak of a fourth called Uriel, who was the one who guarded the tomb of Jesus, right? And we know that in the scriptures mention that he was clothed in white. Well, this is great. This is very interesting. We have much more to talk about in terms of angels. And we are going to come back in just a moment. Before we do, we want to remind everyone at home that they can listen to this show and any other show we've ever recorded by going to www.thecatholiccafe.com. also want to invite people to email me. Send me your story. Tell me about your faith journey. Maybe about your encounters with angels. Who knows? Deacon Jeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And so... With that and with the help of the angels, we'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. The beginning of this famous prayer to St. Michael the Archangel calls this blessed angel to action against the evil that besets the faithful on earth. Pope Leo XIII first ordered the prayer of St. Michael to be said after every Mass throughout the Roman Rite in the 1880s. It is said that Pope Leo had a prophetic vision one particular day after saying Mass. He was permitted to see the great evil of the coming century the great wars that were to tear at the heart of Christian Europe and the terrible persecutions the Christian faithful were to suffer. The late Holy Father turned to St. Michael the Archangel for help and protection. St. Michael has long been known as God's defender against the evil one. All throughout Holy Scripture, St. Michael had been called to marshal the heavenly host to come to the defense of the faithful. In the Old Testament, Michael is described as the defender of Israel. In the book of Daniel, Michael is the guardian of God's people. It reads, Now at that time, Michael, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people, will arise. In the New Testament, Michael is depicted as waging war against evil. The book of Revelation says, And there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. Scripture reminds us that St. Michael is our great protector in the spiritual struggle between good and evil. After the Second Vatican Council, the St. Michael prayer was no longer required to be said after Mass, but Pope John Paul II still encouraged all the faithful to pray for St. Michael's help. He said, I ask everyone not to forget it and to recite it to obtain help in the battle against forces of darkness. Pope Benedict XVI describes St. Michael as the protector of man's very understanding of God. Benedict said St. Michael defends the cause of God's oneness against the presumption of the dragon, the ancient serpent, as John calls it. The serpent's continuous effort is to make men believe that God must disappear so that they themselves may become important, that God impedes our freedom, and therefore that we must rid ourselves of him. All throughout the world, there are great shrines and churches dedicated to St. Michael. Many countries around the globe count him as their special patron and defender. 
St. Michael's Feast Day is September 29th. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this has been another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. I'm sitting here with Father Ben Bradshaw, our head chef at the Catholic Cafe, and I hope you all brought your guardian angels with you because you're going to need them this second half as we discuss more about angels. Father Ben, let's talk about what angels do. Mm. We see so often in Scripture references to angels, and they're always busy. They're always doing something. They're they're going here, they're going there, they're interceding, they're talking, they're leading, they're inspiring. The angels, they're mainly taken up with three tasks. The adoration of God, the maintenance of the entire universe, and bringing us to God. You kind of skipped over that maintenance of the entire universe. That's kind of small because I, you know, look at my, like just my car. <laughs> you know, and that's a struggle for me. And I'm thinking an angel's got to take care of the entire universe. Man, that's incredible. It, it is amazing. You know, um, we there's traditionally nine choirs of angels, not something the Catholic Church made up. This is clearly in Scripture. Um, very, very beautiful. The seraphim, cherubim, throne, okay, dominions, virtues, powers, principalities, archangels, angels, okay? And, of course, the seraphim, cherubim, throne are closest to God. They're differentiated. They have a, the, these, these what we call the three tiers, okay? The first tier, the seraphim, cherubim, throne. They're closest to God because of their knowledge of God. We differentiate them according to their knowledge of God, right? Keeping in, in mind that word know, in Scripture denotes intimacy. Like when we hear that word intimacy, we tend to think only of sexual activity, right? That's one very beautiful part of intimacy within the bonds of marriage. That's not all, right? Um, in, for instance, Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived, right? We hear in John's Gospel, um, um, when you know me, Jesus says, when you know me, you know the Father, right? And to know means it's something, a deep relationship, a powerful relationship, right? So as celibates, for instance, as Catholic priests, we have intimate relationships with people that know us well, but we're not sexually active. Right. And so the same with the angels. They know God. There's a knowledge there, right? And in the first tier, seraphim, cherubim, throne, they're taken up with the adoration of God. The second tier, dominions, virtues, powers, their whole goal, okay, from what we know, okay, is the maintenance of the universe. You know, we take for granted that seasons change, right? We take for granted that our sun is not going to run into the earth. I mean, we'd assume these things, right? Someone has to care for these things. Right. And the angels, this is one of the tasks that they're entrusted to, is the maintenance, the ordering of the universe, as we say. And then, of course, the, the, final, the final choir, the last choir, their whole goal is to bring us to God to help us to accept our vocational call to grow closer to God. And, of course, as the Second Vatican Council says, is that when we get closer to God, we get closer to happiness, right? That, that we get close to the source from which we came, right? Now, this uh, last level you mentioned, the principalities, archangels, and angels, are they the ones that we would encounter the most in our day-to-day lives? Is that the way you would see that? I, I think it's important to say in answering that question that as the, the dark angels, the demons, as they reject God, they retain their rank as demons, okay? this is When we're talking about rankings, this also includes demons, okay? As demons, they still have those, those nine qu- the, the choirs as well. To what extent, we, we don't know. But we do know they retain their power and their rank 
as demons, okay? So we also see this ranking in demonology. However, um, on a day-to-day -day basis, yes, that, that we, we each one of us has a guardian angel, not just Catholics. There's about 6 billion people in the world right now, and each one of those 6 billion people has a guardian angel. Let's talk about the guardian angel. Mm -hmm. You know, we've heard that. We talked about the beginning of the show, and we've always heard about – we've made jokes about, oh, your guardian angel is working <laughs> overtime or whatever – is that a true teaching of the church? I know I've had people ask me that before. Do we really have guardian angels? Or is that just something there to comfort us and make us feel like God really loves us and has we have our own personal little angel? It is a true teaching of the church. And this is in, uh, I think, the 300 sections of the catechism. It, this is part of what we believe and that each one of us, we even have the, each one of us has, has a guardian angel always with us. We have the feast of the guardian angels that we celebrated not long ago. We have the Feast of the Archangels as well. That there's this angel um, is here to guide us to God. And, and the counter-argument to that, well, what happens when natural disasters happen? Did the angel just drop the ball or what or happened? what happens if you get caught in a horrible sin? You've, right. You know, was your angel sitting next to you while you were drinking and driving? Right, right. You want to say, where were you on that one, huh? Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> exactly. And, but, but God does permit some... some uh, evil to occur. He, God never causes evil. He does permit it in order to bring about a greater good. We've got a great show on the, the problem or the existence of mm -hmm. evil, and, and it can help us in a sense. You know, God takes all things, those that are bad especially, can make them work out mm -hmm. for the good for us. That's right. And I think as well, when we look back in our life, I think I would argue any of us, if we really look at our life, we can look back on many instances when Things just turned out the way they should have turned out. Right. There was the right person there at the right time with the right words. Or maybe we should have died and somehow we were saved. You know, this is sometimes we just think, wow, that was weird. But if we stop and think about it, you know, this, this is part of God's plan that we were saved at that moment because he's got a greater plan for us in our lives. And that our guardian angels constantly at work, constantly at work um, leading us to God. I think that we also take for granted the existence of angels, that we, we will often read Scripture and just forget how many times angels are active in Scripture, both the Old and the New Testament. What are, what are some of the highlights where we have angels directly in God's plan working with us? Mm. Well, you go all the way back to the, the book of Genesis, right? And we hear the angel that cast out Adam and Eve from the garden. We go, of course, we hear in the book of Daniel and, and uh, the story of uh, Archangel Gabriel. We have uh, in Isaiah, the seraphim. We have again and again and again in the New Testament um, as well examples of the archangel Gabriel. We hear in the book of Revelation, Michael. Michael went to war with the dragon and cast out the dragon, right? And, um, and again, it's very, very beautiful. One of my personal favorite is, is, the, is the book of Tobit, which again is in Catholic, Catholic Bibles. And the archangel Raphael um, appears to Tobit, and he leads him on the way. And so today, the archangel Raphael is the patron saint of travelers, and um, he's constantly with him. And uh, all throughout the scriptures, we hear of angels. And um, archangel Raphael says to Tobit, I'm one of seven who stand in the presence of God. Keep in mind, seven is, of, of course, the perfect number scripturally, right? right? And, um, and so we know that there's seven archangels. We know specifically of three of those. And, uh, but 
that they're always on mission to bring us closer to God, that they are always working on our behalf. I always use the analogy, if you ever go to a Broadway production, and or like the Lion King or something, a chorus line, you think, oh, my heavens, think of all the work that went on behind the scenes right. for that. You think, wow, it's a lot of you know, set production and stuff. I mean, think of all the things that go on behind the scenes that the angels are doing for us that we just take for granted. Now, there's also uh, some wonderful references to angels in our Mass. If you're, a, if you're a Catholic and you go to Mass, you've got angels there with you, and we, we invoke the names of the angels in several of the different prayers. Can you talk a little bit about that? In, in the Eucharist, what we call the, the Roman canon, in, in the Eucharistic prayers in particular, we do call upon the, the, the saints and the angels, we even, even in baptism. Right, we we have what we call the litany of the saints, where we call upon the saints, but we're also asking the angels to come and be with us, and we believe, of course, in the mass and the liturgy. Keep in mind the the word liturgy itself means the work of the people. In the liturgy, that the angels and the saints are there with us. You know, heaven and earth kiss at this moment. That 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 God is there with us, and of course, in the book of Revelation, we hear about the wedding feast of the Lamb. Right, that in heaven that um, this prefigures as well what, what it will be like in heaven. And so as well, definitely in the liturgy, we hear uh, a lot about the angels. Why is it so important that we as Catholics and all people realize the existence of the angels, the role of the angels, and why the angels need to come back into sort of popular understanding of our faith, why God has such a, an important plan for those angels? Mm-hmm. They want to help us. They want to be given tasks to do. They're waiting, and it's important that we realize that they are here. We believe, for instance, that every country has its own guardian angel. Um, if the, for those of us that are Catholic, we, when, we know that when the Blessed Mother appeared to the children at Fatima, that the children also saw the guardian angel of, of this country, Portugal. And so every country has its own angel. We call this the principalities, that, that even the United States has its own guardian angel. This is very, very important for us, especially right now. We're engaged in different conflicts around the world um, with things poss- possibly popping up. It's very important that we pray to these angels. They want to help us. This is, this is their mission. And when we see them in heaven, we will understand this fully. Wonderful. I hope people have heard this talk about the angels and maybe rethink what they think about angels and maybe come closer in the line what the Catholic Church teaches about angels. Mm-hmm. Well, Tom, we have to we have to rate this show as well. We do. You know, on a scale of zero to six, Deacon Jeff, I'd give it a six. All the way up there to six. All the way up six <laughs> out of six. That's a hundred percent. Praise is. God. Think <laughs> of Praise the, the angels. Think of the odds. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> Very good. Thank you. Let's close in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, you created your glorious angels to be your messengers, forever praising you, and proclaiming your good news, and protecting all mankind from evil. Grant us the wisdom we need to see the work of your angels, and to truly hear your words of love and salvation through them. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. 
Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.